Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. In my 27 years as a Victorian policewoman, I investigated everything from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. Policing taught me a lot about human nature, which I explore in my podcasts with a variety of fascinating guests discussing the human side and impact of crime, not only on their lives, but mine as well. My podcasts are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. If you find yourself affected by my subject matter, please contact Lifeline or any other support, service or person that you feel comfortable with. Thank you. Max and his barrister had been through my victim impact statement with a fine tooth comb and highlighted passages that I could not read out they had censored my victim impact statement. So last week, I introduced you to Di McDonald, the victim of a stalker who persisted in such concerning behaviours towards not only Di, but her friends and family, that he was eventually incarcerated. But the damage to Di's psychological health and her relationships is ongoing. Her perpetrator was a typical stalker, a narcissist who couldn't accept rejection. He had a sense of entitlement and probably still does have and was revenge driven, cruel, vindictive, delusional, obsessive and unfortunately a master manipulator. Uh, This week, Di continues detailing the lengths her perpetrator went to in his offending, all because she ended their relationship. Di takes us through the challenges of almost being cast aside during plea negotiations with the defence when her perpetrator pleaded guilty and how police found a balaclava, amongst other items, at a search of his house and how an FBI agent whose evidence was responsible for bringing down the Unibomber had evidence that would help in sending Di's perpetrator to prison as well. Amazing. Anyway, thanks uh, and hope you have a good week. You actually had a policewoman that did go and do all those avenues of inquiry that I was saying hadn't been done initially. Can you tell us about, uh, was it Beck? Was that her name? Yeah, 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 Rebecca Norris. So how... How we want to put her on a pedestal, don't we? <laughs> yes, we do. So <laughs> yeah. um, it was 2017 and in Melbourne there was lots of home invasions and things like that. And this is the thing, you, you sometimes get help from the most strangest source. So for me, help came as a result of a Facebook group called Protect Victoria. Now, the admin guy there, Hayden Bradford, was amazing and he 
was his ex-army. He was so over crime in Victoria. We were going into an election in 2018. So he'd organised at the Dutch Club in Carnegie a forum on crime. And, you know, what were the two big political parties going to do about the crime in Melbourne going into the election year? So he organised the Today Show to film it. He put out requests to the Liberal and Labor teams and only the Libs showed up. Daniel Andrews and his crew were a no-show. So I, I went there armed with diary excerpts because I kept everything. I wrote everything in diaries each year, what was happening, dates, times, all of that. You're the perfect victim, seriously, like to do all that. <laughs> Thank oh, you. I was a tool on a plate and they still won't do anything, seriously. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, go on. Yeah. Yeah. So I typed up just, you know, a couple of months of things that I was dealing with in 2015, so it's now 2017. And um, I hid myself down in the front row because I didn't want to be on camera. And then after the forum ended, I walked up to the table that they were all sitting at and handed them an envelope saying, please read this. This is my story. Police are not helping me. I need help, need help. So um, Ed O'Donoghue was the shadow police minister back then. And just coincidentally, he parked near me. So we were walking out together and talking and he read through what I gave him and contacted me the next day and said, I'm going to get your help. I'll contact Lisa Neville and we'll go from there. So Lisa assigned a sergeant at Broadmeadows and informant to me. Um, So that was great. You know, I went in and I met them and the informant helped me a couple of times because not only Max um, was harassing me but also his best friend. So she got onto that. Sorry, my throat's going to go in a minute. Um, That's all right. Yeah. So she stopped that in its tracks, thank God. And um, so I'm thinking, finally, finally, I have help. Yes. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. After court one day, uh, Max went to Big W and Broadmeadows looking for my daughter because she worked there part time. You know, she was in the middle of ECE and everything. And um, he spent like nine minutes in the store. Now, I didn't go to court that day, um, but I had the worst feeling going into work because I had already pretty well used up all my sick leave and was now using annual leave for all these court court appearances and things. So I'd rung Ash, who was the security supervisor at Broadmeadows Shopping Centre, and she's amazing. She was amazing. I said, look, I have the worst feeling. She had a copy of our intervention order so and she knew what he looked like and everything. So she was straight onto it. She saw him. She went down there um, and she rang me about 3.30 saying, look, Jai, he's been in at the store. He spoke to management. He ran around the store for nine minutes looking for your daughter. And, yeah, so I was at work. Obviously, didn't take that news very well, so my boss actually offered to drive me home. Um, and then I rang, I rang Broadmeadows to see what had happened. I asked for the sergeant and my informant, only to be told 
that they'd been transferred and no one had been assigned to me. No one knew what was going on. So I'm back to square one. So I then ring Ed O'Donoghue and I'm, I'm panicked, absolutely freaking out that this be. guy is physically good now going after my child. Um, so poor Ed put up with me crying and screaming and everything and, you know, <laughs> probably swearing my head off at him, <laughs> saying, you know, I've got, I've got no help. The sergeant and the informant are gone. There's no one there that, that knows my story that can help me. I said, he's gone after my child. And uh, he's like, I'll get back in touch with Lisa. And um, she got in touch with the chief commissioner straight away. And Detective Norris was assigned to me and the new, new sergeant. Yeah. So I went in and met them. I have to say my first meeting with both of them was pretty frosty because I was just so over police. Of course yeah. you would be, yeah. So, um, and Beck will, Beck will tell you, she really had to work at gaining my trust to know that she was going to be there. She wasn't going anywhere. Um, but she, she actually did go. <laughs> she actually did transfer. She transferred out of um, family violence to homicide during all of this. Um, but the homicide division department, whatever they're called, um, knew that she was taking me with her, that she could not leave me behind. So, so they were very accommodating with Beck in regard to me and all the court appearances and everything that she had to do for me, yeah. But Beck went above and beyond to prove yes. that it was Max, didn't mm -hmm. she? Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, she, she was very clever. She um, organised a search warrant for his house and she rang him to say, you know, are you home? We're, we're coming over with a, a search warrant. And, and, and what, what he didn't know was when she rang him, she was actually sitting out front of his home. So they went in. And then he comes screaming down the street in his car, saw that they were already in his home and took off. And that's where she found the bag, like of the balaclava, the gloves, the flyer that he was going to put up. Um, yeah. So he was all set to attack probably that night. Don't know, but probably sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, because it was all ready for him to go. So he would have been freaking out thinking, oh, you know, my stuff's on the kitchen bench. It's on my, you know, but it was too late. They were already in his home. So, yeah, she was a bit a bit sneaky like that. <laughs> I love yeah. it. <laughs> they're, yeah. the, they're the sort of jobs that I really miss, you know, that when you know you've, you've sort of, well, to walk into a house and find a balaclava to fly out, like just so much evidence yeah, uh, yeah, to support what you've been saying, yeah, and oh, gee, it's the best feeling. That's it, the sort it, of was, stuff. it was a really, really good moment, but she also thought that she might need something else. And um, a friend of hers is a profiler, and she had worked with um, James R. Fitzgerald, former FBI agent that caught the Unabomber. So. She said, get in touch with Jim 
he, he will be able to collate all of this together to say, you know, the letters that Max gave me, the flyers, and even court documents that he had submitted, um, you know, to prove that only one person wrote all three of all of this. You know, it's only one person doing all of this. Um, so, yeah. so was that FBI guy, was he an expert in handwriting? Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. That's how they caught the Unabomber using linguistics or language analysis. Yep. But li- linguistics is um, the technical term for it. But, yeah, it's basically yep. just how someone uses their, their language and, and it does depend on your age, you know, how you do things, how you were taught when you were younger. So, yeah. And that's the sort of stuff you can't change either. You can't change. It's embedded in you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit like your gait, like your walk. Yes, yeah. Unless you really, really concentrate, you can't change your walk. No. You might be able to mix it up a little bit. But, yeah, so so, uh, Beck was able to engage this FBI uh, Unibomber detective. uh, Yes. And... He was able to, did he give evidence at, at court? He was all set to. Okay. But, yep. but Max pled guilty. Um, we were about to walk in for a two-day committal hearing and he, he decided to plead guilty. So none of that went ahead. So there was a, a plea bargaining going on, which I wasn't happy about. Um Tell us about your involvement in the plea bargaining and why you weren't happy. Because I, I find that, uh, I find with a lot of, I was going to say female victims, I don't know if that's being a bit harsh, but that a lot of victims, particularly in sexual assault matters, and that's probably, where, well, not probably, that's where my experience comes from, is that plea bargaining is done without virtually any input, any uh, consideration, any conversation with the victim. And I just think that is the reason, that is the person that uh, it's all about, particularly from a prosecution, obviously from a prosecution point of view. And you're not even, well, very rarely are you involved, and I find that offensive. You're the reason they're all there. Yeah, it's, it's, I was only there because, like I said, we would. I was at the Department of Prosecutions, their office, and we were all set to walk across the road to the court to uh, enter the two-day committal hearing. So it was like at the 11th hour, it all changed. So we'd go into a, a, a big room and discuss, you know, what, what he's willing to plead guilty to. So it was only one charge of stalking and he'd been charged with 28 offences. So the prosecutor, because I said, can we reject this and just go to court now? And he said, no, we have to respond to the plea. So we sent in a counter plea, which was um, stalking of one charge but between dates of 2015 and to 2018, uh, breach of bail, and also breaches of intervention orders um, between those dates as well. 
So what I was arguing with the prosecutor about was that my PTSD and illnesses have not been acknowledged as a standalone here. I wanted recklessly causing serious injury left in and the prosecutor said, no, the magistrate won't understand that. And I'm like, I'm willing to be a test case here. I want that charge left in because he's done all this to me. You can't see it, but it's there. I want that charge. And I started getting very loud because my kids were on the other side of the meeting room door and um, they, they could hear that I wasn't happy. They could hear that I was half yelling at someone, but they couldn't understand what I was saying. Um, yeah, so needless to say, that charge was not included as a standalone charge. So how I got around that was with my victim impact statement. So I included my psych report. I included a report from my dentist. Because of stress, my teeth were snapping. Um, I included photos of uh, I had shingles because of the stress. I, I included absolutely everything medically that was going on with me in my victim impact statement. And this is another thing that I learned. <laughs> like he'd already been to jail for what he did to my youngest daughter back in 2018. Um, when she did her victim impact statement, the prosecutor asked if we wanted to read it out in court or have someone read it out in court or just have the magistrate read it. And I said, no, 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 just let the magistrate read it. I don't want anyone knowing what's going on inside my child's head, what he's actually doing to her. He has no right to know that. It's not his child. It's mine. She's mine. Um, and the prosecutor just said, see that room over there? I went, yeah. Well, he actually is probably reading your daughter's victim impact statement right now. They have a copy of it due to full disclosure. Correct. Yep. So I'm horrified. So we, we go into court and um, it was actually a judge, not a magistrate, and uh, he, he gave him one month in jail with a 12-month good behaviour bond for going after my daughter. So I was really, really annoyed at that. But anyway, so <laughs> fast forward to 2020 when I'm now doing my victim impact statement, I included absolutely everything. I wrote pages and pages and I said, I will be reading this out and knowing, knowing that he's got a copy of it, what I didn't, the next kicker was, <laughs> Um, I as get, if there hasn't been enough, yeah. Yeah. I get um, the prosecutor gives me a copy of my victim impact statement and it's got highlighted passages in it. So Max and his barrister had been through my victim impact statement with a fine-tooth comb and highlighted passages that I could not read out. They had censored my victim impact statement. So I stand up at the podium with the new copy of it and I look down to my left at his barrister and she's got it on top of her paperwork and was just reading as I'm reading. And when I had to skip over paragraphs, 
I looked up at the magistrate and he's looking at, at the paper and looking up at me going, where is she? Where is she? You know, because he'd lost where I was reading. So he actually took, took like a five-minute recess and went outside and reread everything and looked at everything I'd submitted into it. He read it about four times, my victim impact statement. So, yeah, kudos to him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, you know, Max was looking at a maximum of 15 years and three months. And I was really disappointed with he only got eight months, considering how much the magistrate read through my stuff. And you'll be interested to know the passages that were blocked out were all about Kathy. I was not allowed to speak about her. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. It's almost like you gagged from... Yes. ..from telling it how it is. Mm. You know, and legally, I'm not going to go into it, I can sort of understand from a legal point of view, this is not a moral or a, an emotional uh, point of view, but from a legal point of view, I can understand. I don't think it's fair, mind no, you. No, considering... But- yeah, you know, yeah. He he named and shamed her in the flyers, like full name. That's what he was doing, photos, full name. He actually used Kath's phone number in one of them, you know. Um, so her name is already out there. He's already pled guilty to doing this. So why can't I mention her? Hmm. There's a lot the court has to fix, and it's not just police either. I think yeah. the community and the court are a representative of the community, but the community have so much to learn about dealing with victims. It is so inadequate. However, yeah. Yeah. it is getting better, but it would want to. It yeah. is it, it desperately needed to. And it, it is, it is. And... Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And, and Serious. It, it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. So I didn't he, think it would. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, oh. Come on. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's now taken to jail eventually. He also did – um, he was released on appeals bail. So And that was um, – I had my mum's funeral on the Friday. I was in court the Wednesday and Thursday before my mum's funeral. So he applied for appeals bail. So he was out while I'm trying to deal with my mum's funeral and, and all of that. And I spent the day looking over my shoulder thinking, is he going to turn up? Because he knew that I couldn't be in court on that Friday. They had to change the date because I had a funeral. So... um when he did eventually go into jail, it was, you know, we were in lockdown. He was also in jail, in lockdown, like the rest of Melbourne, in and out of lockdown. He was actually... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Earning credits off his sentence for lockdown. So when you're a victim and they go to jail, you sign up with a victim's register so that they can contact you with the release date. So I did all of that and the release date kept changing. So I actually rang them. I said, what's going on here? And they said, well, he's, he's getting these things called emergency management days off his sentence because he's in lockdown. And I went, oh, I'm in, lo- right. I'm in lockdown yeah. as well. So, at that point, he had 22 days of credits off his sentence. So, remember, he's only in there for eight months, less 22 days. And he was still accumulating these days. And I'm thinking, he went in in June, he could be out before Christmas, which means I don't even get a Christmas without him being around, you know. No peace for me. So I'm straight on the phone to Ed O'Donoghue again saying he's getting these days, credits off his sentence. This is what they're called. And he's like, I'll get in touch with the corrections minister and see what I can do. I said, can you have them revoked or at the very least stopped so he doesn't get any more days off? But I, I would like a Christmas in peace. I haven't had one for five years. So... um Ed, to his credit, did contact the, the minister, and I can't remember her name, I'm sorry. Um, she did not revoke the days, but she didn't give, them, give him any more. So instead of being released in February of 2021, he was released on the 10th of January 2021, which all of his offending and everything always happened on significant days in my life, you know, with children's birthday, my birthday, Kat's birthday, an anniversary, whatever. The 10th of January was actually my wedding day. 
when I got married in 1987, it was the 10th of January. Oh, God. Oh. And my my eldest daughter's my eldest daughter's birthday is actually the eleventh of January. So it's yeah. like, oh my god, he's even being released on a significant date. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. Yeah. You're right. And, and and he was actually released. Uh, and he got a community corrections oh, order. Yeah, community. Yeah, so he was on a two, two years. years for two years. So um, the sergeant from Broadmeadows um, stemmed police to see him before his release to remind him to stay away from me what the terms and conditions are of that corrections order um so on his actual release date i had two detectives knock on my door to make sure that we were okay um and we we were we were um but (laughs) strangely enough you know um how the abc got involved is i went to an art class so after Max's release, I went to an exhibition that my art teacher had. And um, so we're at the gallery and Mick, Mick Crowley is his name. He's introducing me to a few people, you know, not just my art class people that were there. And I met these two guys, two brothers, and they said, oh, we know your name. Are you famous or infamous? And I'm looking at Mick and I'm like, you know, because obviously Australian Story had aired. And um, and then I said, oh, well, I was on Australian Story. And they went, oh, Max Gardner. And I went, yes. And one of the brothers said, we actually know him. Um, our sister was married to his best friend, the best friend that attacked me also. And I'm just like, they said, you would have met our sister. And I said, well, no, I didn't. I said, um, she wasn't with him when I met that guy, met the friend. Um, But he said to me, he said, I was actually Max's first phone call from when he was released from jail. So they're they're full-on supporters for him. They're saying he's this top guy, you know, he comes to barbecues, he brings the best bottle of wine, the most expensive bottle of wine. You know, smooth, smooth, smooth. He's a great bloke. Yeah. yeah, he's a sucker. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. can say so, that, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's just, you know, trying to get on their good side. And, yeah. So, I um, mean, the wife of one of the brothers was actually really lovely, but the two brothers were, were very disparaging in regard to Kath and I saying, you came across as drunks on that show, blah, blah, blah. But we go there all the time. But they're not drunks, but Kath and I are. Um, and um, Yep. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jan, you've, you've really made some inroads with a lot of um, your, your advocacy. You made a submission to the Victorian Law Reform Commission mm-hmm. and seven of your re- recommendations were listed. That's incredible. Tell us about that. I was pretty amazed by that. So I, I I saw it on LinkedIn, I think, and I contacted them and I, I said I'd like to contribute with a submission and I said, um, but you're closing it soon, so I haven't even started yet. And they said, we know who you are, so we will wait for you. So it, it took me a little while, but it was nearly 9,000 words I submitted and, you know, with things that I think needed to change and how – police and everyone can help victims from the moment 
they walk into a police station. Um, so it was during lockdown that all this was going on. Um, but I was able to go into the office and um, have a meeting with them. And that meeting was with um, Tony North QC, but it would be KC now. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So that was a three and a half hour meeting at, at their offices in Collins Street. And it was very yeah, draining. If that's, not being, if that's not being heard, I don't know what is, Di. That is uh, fantastic to think that you get a three-hour meeting with Tony North, the uh, the KC. Like, yeah, yeah. how good is that? Yeah, he was such a lovely man, really, really lovely. Um, yeah. So that, that meeting was very, very draining and I asked to be notified when it was going to be tabled in Parliament. So I was there when the interim report was tabled and I was also there when um, the final report was tabled. So I had a quick look through the final report um, and I was sent hard copies of everything. So originally I thought, oh, they've mentioned me once. It was in regard to ele electronic media, like social media. Um, and then when I came home and was able to, you know, sit down and, take my time and read through it I, I, there's eight chapters in in the final report and i'm mentioned in seven of those so my recommendations so i was pretty happy with that yeah in fact yesterday i was having a look at that final report to see if i could find your submission and i did a find you know how you can find mm -hmm. words oh, in, a, yeah. in a document and you had it was something like 25 uh, mentions in oh really in the whole yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I I thought it was uh, like to come from where you have you could easily just curl up in a, a ball and just yeah you know, think yeah. it's all too hard but you have gone the other way and become an an advocate for mm -hmm. victims of of stalking yeah um, in fact in fact. You've, you've also, can you tell us about the watch that you wear? The watch, Which, yes. So how that came about was um, after Australian Story, uh, this guy named Chris Boyle who works for the Stand By You Foundation in Queensland, he reached out to the ABC to offer me a security watch. So what it's all about is it just looks like an everyday normal watch it, you know, has a step counter and things like that that I use it for. Um, yep. But it also has a particular button on it that you set up with five of your family and friends so that if you're in trouble, you push the button on the watch, they then get an alert to their phone, they can hear what is going on, they can then call police and give them your exact location and another thing that the watch does is it records what's happening for 10 minutes. Wow. Yeah. 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 So I have accidentally pushed it once. So I had my brother and, and my eldest daughter both ringing me going, are you all right? You all right? And because they could hear stuff, but it wasn't any voices. It was just rustling in that. And I went, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I must have accidentally pushed it, you know, putting the watch on my wrist. So I, I, I haven't done that since because I'm very aware that it is a little bit sensitive. 
so not to freak my family and friends out. <laughs> yeah. But but how good is that? That must give you such a sense of safety, does it? Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I was I was unable to get um, the corrections order buried to include electronic monitoring for him. So I kind of have it on myself instead, just so I'm safe. You know, if something does happen, you know, they can't stop what's going to happen, but they at least will have all the details and they know where I am and they can call police to my exact location. So. That's amazing. Um, what are your thoughts? You just sort of hinted at it then. What are your thoughts on offenders wearing ankle bracelets in certain circumstances? Well, I, I think it, it's imperative, really, especially repeat offenders. Now, Max has convictions going back to the 80s. So this is decades and decades and decades of offending against women and their children. So, you know, even his own children. So, you know, he has a history of it. And what I learned after he was sentenced in February of 2020, um, the laws actually changed to include electronic monitoring, but in April of 2020. So that option wasn't available to the magistrate in February when he was being sentenced. So um, I didn't know about that until after he went to jail. So that's why I was, you know, approaching ministers to um, have the corrections order varied. All I wanted to do was go back in front of the magistrate to say, can, can you please include this upon his release? Because he is a relentless stalker with decades of offending. Um, but I, I went to the Attorney General, who was Jill Hennessy at that time, and by, by this point, um, Ed O'Donoghue was the Shadow Attorney General. Um, so Jill was helpful, but she was also looking at resigning. But she put me in touch with the lawyers for the Attorney General's office, and they're also, back then they were Queen's Council, so QC, they'd be KC now, and she actually she actually gave me a name of one of the lawyers. So I contacted him. Um, I also let Ed know the name of, of the lawyer. And he said, that's very rare that you get given a name of a lawyer for the Attorney General. That doesn't usually happy, happen. So it took some time and the lawyer did eventually get back to me. And he said, no, we won't be pursuing this because uh, it would be uncomfortable and restrictive for Max Gardner to wear an ankle bracelet. So Jill's already resigned. I contacted Ed and I also reached out to Daniel Andrews to say, you know, help me here. You know. <laughs> I'd, all I'm looking for is to vary the corrections order to possibly include it, just to go before the magistrate and, and see if he will now include it because it is available. It's a tool that they have. And Daniel Andrews did get back to me, but he just referred me to Jill Hennessy and Lisa Neville, who I'd already told him I'd, I'd been dealing with. So he was no help at all. 
You need to so, be persistent, don't you? You need to just, you'd think that by uh, asking for some help that hmm. people might help you, but it just seems that if you if you don't persist and you don't almost um, annoy <laughs> uh, people, yeah. that you just get forgotten. It's it's the what is it that about the noisy w- wheel that gets the oil or something like that? Yes, yeah. But um, just with what you've just said then about um, the offences, you know, you said that Max has been offending for decades. I just want to clarify here that. Would I be right? Because I don't know what his previous offences are, but mm-hmm. are they psychological-based offences or are they uh, – because I, I need – you said something about his children. Yeah. I just want to clarify what type of offences they are so that there's no um, ambiguities or any – Yeah, yeah. So so they were breaches of – Just a very the- broad, broad, yeah, I mean, yeah. not yeah. going so, into detail. Yeah. Okay. So they were breaches of intervention orders going back to his first wife. Um, okay. Yeah, so his so second wife. So it's the wife, same sort of, it's the sap, sorry, what was that? Sorry. So I, I, I don't think he did the flyers or anything like that with um, his exes. Um, so his first wife he had two children with. Second wife he didn't have any children with, but she had previous she had children from a previous marriage. Um, so with what he was doing to them, um, her children suffered psychologically and still still are, I think. Um, but his youngest daughter and that ex, her name's Kathy also. I'm just surrounded by Kathy's. You are? <laughs> yeah. And... Um, she actually moved to Queensland to get away with it, away from all the harassment and everything. And um, he found her. He he found yeah. out where she was man. Oh yeah, yeah. He found oh. out um, what schools were around where she was living and contacted each of those schools to find which one had his daughter and also asked for school reports and things like that. So. Yeah, she'd moved to Queensland from Melbourne and still couldn't get away from him. Yeah, so uh, in a nutshell, Max's uh, offending has been of a similar nature to yours Mm. for a long time Mm -hmm. with other women and just trying to control, uh, coercive control of every woman that he every woman he's had a relationship with almost, let's say, the majority, and uh, children from those relationships. He yeah, has yeah. just wants to control them. And, and again, like yourself, it's that psychological torment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that he seems, unfortunately, I have to say he's a master at. Well, yes, he is. He is. And, um, yeah, yeah he, his ex, Kathy, had two children from her previous marriage. Well, the eldest daughter is now living, from last I heard, living in London with her father. And, and she is severely traumatised with what was going on. Obviously, I won't go into specifics, but, um, yeah, yeah. It just seems to me that the authorities consider 
uh, offenders and their movements more important than they do the victims, and that's why exactly. people like yourself and others need to be heard. Look, Di, what you have shared with us today is incredible, in- incredibly frustrating in some many instances, yes. but incredibly <laughs> motivating and inspiring in others. Uh, you are unbelievable. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you for um, your time, but for what you're doing for victims of the horrendous and terrifying offence of stalking and mm-hmm. for shining a light on the problems that are associated with authorities trying to understand and grasp the effects of stalking. And as we've uh, highlighted today, stalking is not, well, I suppose in a way it's physic- a physical offence because you're followed, but you don't have the bruises, do you? You don't have no, the broken no. bones. No. What it is is it's psychological torment and mm-hmm. it affects you uh, as much as any other offence uh, that um, is committed by people. So yeah. um, strength to you, my friend. Thank you. You are amazing. Yeah, and I just don't want anyone else going through what I've went, gone through and really continue to go through because it's always on your mind. It doesn't go away. So, in fact, you did say uh, we might close in just uh, saying that there's been some pretty strange things happening in your life. Yeah, the, stra- the strange things are happening. Um, yeah, so we're just making note of them and seeing if they escalate because uh, we can't do anything. We need proof. Remember, being a stalking victim, you have to supply evidence. Um, yeah. But you do have a direct line to someone now. Yes, yes. If, um, if you are concerned that um, Max uh, returns yeah. to his old ways or the ways that he knows oh so well, but you mm-hmm. do have a, a phone number at least this yeah. time uh, to contact, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. I have immediate, well, help on the phone, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is yeah. which is comforting, yeah. Yeah. And just uh, lastly, just a shout out uh, to Ed O'Donoghue. I don't know him. I know nothing of him, but from just what you've said today, uh, him and... It was Lisa Neville. And, Lisa uh, Neville, that's right. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah, none so- of these people are still in politics. <laughs> so I'm now, I'm now dealing with David Limbrick, MP. Okay. But isn't it a shame that you have to go to... Like to get any um, um, assistance, attention, yeah. Yeah. you actually have to go to, have had to go to Ed O'Donoghue, a member of Parliament, whether it's Ed or the new David mm-hmm. Limbrick, whoever. But to actually get some attention, you've got to go that high. And not everybody can be bothered doing that, or they don't yeah. have the confidence, or they don't have the know how. Like, yeah. You shouldn't have to do that to. Um, I know. As a I know. But like, I, like I, like I said, you know, help can come in any form, and it was through Facebook that I got involved with the MPs. Anyone else can go to their local member of parliament and approach them. They will help them as well. So it is an avenue that everyone can use, but they don't know to use it. Yeah, and um, yeah, as, as so a, a, a big shout out to. Um, to Ed, to Mr. O'Donoghue. All right, look, thank you, Di. Uh, Thanks, Neil. Thank you again. You're amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, thanks.
Thanks, Di. Bye. As you've probably noticed, we've moved to a new platform called ACAST. I think that's the right expression, I've got no idea. And my previous reviews haven't transferred over. I need reviews. <laughs> Could you do me a favour and put up a review? And thank you so much for your support and patronage. With your help, I can give you that little bit extra. Thanks. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.